0: Welcome back to Seriously Funny. I'm your host, Mashnor Kabir, and I'm Purple. So Trippy Red on this Friday, well, last Friday, when you're listening to this, dropped his long-awaited album, Pegasus. And I gave it a few listens. I mean, I've listened to it. And I haven't like sat down and done nothing else except for focus on the entire album. It's like an hour long or something. And I've been playing Genshin Impact. So I I did listen to it roughly. It's very calm. It's very down tempo. And I, he teased a lot about this rock album. And so I was expecting, you know, some hard drums, some hard guitar, you know, something hard. And then I heard the softest thing on the planet. So it was a little jarring. Did not, that's not what I thought I would get considering everything he said. But I mean, it wasn't bad album but i think a love letter to you 3 is still just his best album i, I don't i don't think that's beatable i think you know a love letter to you 3 is still going strong i do uh, if you like calm chill music it's uh, interesting it's good it's not bad so go give that a listen yeah trippy red pegasus came out last friday which was october 20 October thirtieth. Other than that, yeah, Genshin Impact. I've been playing a fair bit of Genshin Impact, like in the morning. My free time is all in the morning. I don't do anything at at night. It's kind of just ends with studying, dinner, meditation, and then sleeping and then reading. No, uh, not much free time at the nighttime because when I start, I don't know when to stop. So I just I try to get all the things I want to do done in the morning. Right now, it's the morning, which is when I record the podcast. After this gets processed, I'm going to play some more Genshin Impact. I'm going to study for physics, just because why not? And then maybe look through some other stuff. I don't know. But yeah, we'll see. I want to do a dopamine detox, because I think I've had a really hard time focusing, because my brain just isn't having it. But my Thanksgiving break, which is in two weeks, I think, is only one week long-ish. And so... I don't and I don't know how much work I'll have over that. So you know, I need to figure that out if I you know, being able to take a dopamine detox, and it does kind of suck that I'll have to spend my break doing literally nothing, but it'll probably be best for me in the end. Maybe we can talk about that. Maybe I can actually record the episode during that time on the experience there. So that'll be interesting, maybe so. Stay tuned for that. Hopefully it happens. I wanted to study, you know, traveling etiquette and and traveling stuff. So I have to find another time to do that then. But yeah, today's episode. I don't know how long it'll be after last week's depressing episode. Hopefully, hopefully this one isn't as bad. But uh, I'm not sure how long this one will be. Probably shorter. But yeah, only have so many rough things to talk on, and then the two topics in the middle are kind of just like eh. You know, like, I, there's a lot more to say about them. And I think they deserve longer things. And maybe I'll I'll talk about them more expansively um, than what I have written here today. But yeah, we'll see. And also for the video form of the pod, I don't think I will be making a video form of the podcast, I do want to record something for YouTube content. But for the video form of the podcast, I read off of notes and sometimes a script even. I think if I made a video form of the podcast, it would literally just be me staring at a monitor. I don't, yeah, that would be weird. Maybe we'll figure it out. Maybe I'll I'll look into it and see if I can just like angle the camera in a way so that it looks like I'm looking at the camera rather than my screen. But yeah, we'll see what happens there. But maybe you'll just get like, or maybe I'll just start producing more philosophical content on YouTube with just a big head of me talking. We'll see. Anyways, the first topic I want to touch on. Why do people study history? You know, what's the point of history? A lot of kids in school, their least favorite subject, the subject they like, like the least, especially me, maybe just because I, I went to school with a bunch of very mathematical people, very intelligent, but number minded people. And then I knew a few people who were less number minded, and they really liked history. Well, maybe not history, they like government, which is present. It's not history. But I mean, kind of yes, no, maybe I don't know, man. Anyways, but yeah, most people hate history. Understandably, like, what are you doing learning a bunch of dead people? What's the point? What do you get out of that? What do you learn? And that's the question? What's the point of history? And oftentimes, your history teacher will present this slide because they want to seem hip and cool. Like, look at this rhetoric, look at this prolepsis, it's called anticipating, um, anticipating objections. And so their first slide in the beginning of the semester until you get to college, in which case it's just like FU, you just have to take the class. But, you know, high school, middle school, why do we study history? And oftentimes what they tell you is we study history so that we don't repeat it. I think that's wrong. I don't think that's correct. I don't think that's how life works at all. I think history definitely repeats 100,000%. So one thing I had to read in a push class in 11th grade was this really long... Uh, printout. And in it, one of the things it talked about was the industrial revolution. It might have the entire thing might have, might have been the industrial revolution. I don't remember. But it talked about the industrial revolution. And it talked about these, um, these machines that were being built, you know, the, the wool mills and the cotton gin and this and that. And so in that in that part, in one part of the the handout, it said, People were afraid of these machines because they were taking jobs and people were afraid that they wouldn't have jobs anymore. And a lot of people were against the machinery and the robotic stuff being made. And maybe that sounds familiar because recently, for the past few five, ten, five years probably, we've been having an argument. AI is terrifying. What happens when robots take over humanity's jobs? How are we going to have jobs? Because robots are getting rid of them all this argument's been had before history is literally repeating. And sure, some big things maybe we learn so we don't let it repeat. We learn about Nazi Germany. So I mean, I guess that's more important for Nazi Germany to learn so they don't get a leader like that again. But we learn about I mean, even the world we learn about what because there was a position that put Germany in the space for that to occur for Hitler to like rise in power. And what that was, was World War One. After World War One ended, we squeezed Germany of all of its money of all of its everything, we took everything and we kind of just destroyed them economically as just as a country. And so there was a problem. And the guy that knew how to fix it as sucky as a human being as he was, he, he was intelligent. And he did fix the German economy and stuff, um, and that's why he got the power. So, that what does that teach us? We probably shouldn't absolutely just abuse countries. War is really old, war, war only happens in less developed countries these days. I mean, the bigger countries we know the names of, they uh, they don't really get into the wars anymore, you know, it's primitive, but anyways, that's why. that's why they say to study history, to prevent it from repeating. And sure, maybe that has some truth to it. But I think the reason that we should study history, and with the example I gave with the machines and the AI, I study history, less now, but I I used to do it more. I study history because it does repeat. History does repeat. Things happen. It's cyclical. It's a cycle. Humans grow and some mediums change, a little few things change. But in general, if you study history, you can see everything repeats. And especially if you do stocks. I mean, history isn't just old dead people. History is whatever happened in the past. So if you do stocks, studying history in the sense of what happened in the past, specifically in the stock market is really important. You can see how things rise, how things fall. Or you can just be Gary Vaynerchuk and have an insight into, well, the universe and understand the future. Because Gary V just isn't astrologer. I don't know, man, that guy knows everything. Anyways, shout out Gary Vaynerchuk. Anyways, that's why I believe that you should study history. Because you will know what repeats, you'll know how to prepare yourself, you'll know how to, or you'll understand what's going to happen. And unfortunately, it applies to people as well. I say unfortunately, because it sucks. Uh, Creation, evolution is the purpose of life. Uh, Not everyone will always evolute themselves mentally. So usually, if you look at someone and what they did, more often than not, and I hate to say this, because I believe in people, and in my own life, I, I don't I'll keep it in the back of my mind, but I believe in people and I give people benefits of the doubt. But more often than not, it's likely if someone did something, they'll, they'll do it again. Um, abusers stay abusers. People that are abused get into abusive relationships again. Change is hard and it's, you know, history cyclical. The next topic is understanding versus integrating. And, and what is this? So uh, I do probably as I, I learn more as re rudimentary, I've only thought about it for like a few seconds. It's insane how many words and thoughts and ideas can happen within a matter of seconds in the brain. Anyways, this topic is definitely going to be discussed more in the future. But one thing I recently thought of was, yeah, this idea of understanding versus integrating. Uh, what does that mean? So understanding versus integrating is this idea that you can learn something, which is cool and awesome. Learning is awesome. Uh, It's really good for you as well, which I say scientifically, maybe one day, we'll get into uh, the research about cognitive abilities and learning and aging and learning. Uh, Maybe one day, there's a ton of research on it. But yeah, it's the idea that, yeah, you can learn something. But integrating is different. So to elaborate, let's say you learn about meditation. You can understand meditation, you can read all the science on how it works, and you can get it, you can learn it. But how much does it matter if you don't integrate that into your life, if you don't apply it, if you don't actually meditate? And other than the simple benefits of just learning, which I just mentioned a second ago, it only matters so much. I mean, so there's a lot of things, I learn a lot of things. And Actually, no, never mind. I'm not going to say that because I count that as integrating. Well, I was about to say that I I learn a lot and I study a lot. And I do integrate it. But if for people that learn a lot and study a lot, because they just love learning, which is awesome, I do too. It's a conversation starter. And it lets you understand what people say. And if you find someone who's extra interested in something you just kind of glossed over, because you wanted to get a general idea of it, then you have a General thought and the general principles of what to talk about, what to ask them, and you can have interest and show interest in people that specialize in the one thing you looked at one day because you were bored and you were googling. Um, but that's integrating, I think you learned it and then you put it to use through the conversation with another human being. So yeah, that's not a not an example of not integrating, but to offer examples in uh, my own life, more so I I just gave one. I'm studying right now to be an engineer, right? So math, physics, blah, blah, blah. However, for the past like eight years, I've also studied quite a lot of biology on my own time, a lot of psychology, a lot, a lot of psychology and a lot, a lot of neurochemistry. And you know, a bunch of other things, like I said, history, which we touched on a second ago, I studied uh, marketing, a ton of marketing, I studied a lot of rhetoric, a ton of rhetoric marketing and rhetoric kind of go hand in hand. I studied life, of course, you know, this thing that people call like, quote, spirituality, and quote, I don't really know what that means. But, sh- you know, whatever that means. Um, maybe it means just, I don't know, I don't know, man, I guess this is like a spiritual supposed podcast in some episodes and topics. I don't know what that means. I don't know how to define spirituality. I just, it's life to me. Um, to continue my example, sorry, not sorry, we love our digressions here. To continue my example, though, after I learned biology, like I changed my sleep schedule, right, I studied sleep, and I studied what happens to the brain, the cells, the body when you miss sleep. And so I changed my sleep schedule, I slept, uh, I tried to sleep for seven to eight hours. And I achieved that like 99.8% of the time. And every time every now and then I don't, it's probably because I wanted to watch one more episode of anime or something. And then after I learned neurochemistry, I learned, you know, to control my emotions, of course, which, um, that said, I I used my knowledge to kind of turn them off, not recommended. And by learning, say, spirituality, I've changed my views on life, my views on time management, and on, well, everything. Uh, Again, the spirituality thing is just life. And as you understand life, and then you integrate that understanding of life into life. It's quite interesting how things change. As for psychology, I mean, how I talk to people, how I approach people, how I speak to people, how I conduct myself in front of people, understanding people, understanding why people do things, understanding that stuff helped me a not get mad at people when they do things and b understand a fair reason of why people react in certain ways. And then c understanding that what I say will cause certain reactions in someone, in which case I can, you know, uh, play around with how I how I word things, how I say things, how I do things, and put that in accordance with what sort of reactions I'm looking to get, whether that be humor, or anything else. Yeah, psychology is important for, I think, every job, because every job, more or less, you're gonna have to speak to what's a job that you other people don't matter maybe as a writer. <laughs> I, guess, I guess as a writer, you can you can just write books and you talk to your editor every now and then. But other than that, you're Gucci. Yeah. So if you don't, if you hate people so much and you don't want to study psychology whatsoever at all, go be a writer. I don't know what you're going to write without the study of psychology because you, if you write fiction, you have to understand people and you have to understand the brain and how people do. Thi- okay. So I feel like everyone should study psychology. That's the moral of the story. Like Just some rudimentary level of it but yeah so until we talk about that this this idea of uh, integrating again because like if you learn stuff dude awesome but you know what's the point if you don't put it anywhere sure you get some dopamine from learning but apply that learn things that you can apply such as psychology such as emotional intelligence such as biology just understanding how your body works because you're stuck with it for like 80 years you know, just get those things, learn those things just to have a uh, understanding about things and then integrate that, you know, don't just learn it, put it into your life somehow. Otherwise, what was the point? (laughs) I mean, if you don't integrate, I think you'll just end up sad. Honestly, I, you learn, oh, not sleeping is going to kill me quicker. And then you don't sleep. And then every now and then that thought creeps up in your brain, you're going to die because you're not sleeping. Integrate, 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 dude. Anyways, yeah, the last thing just to leave that with, please find a way to integrate things you learn into your life in somehow shape or form. And a lot of people know things and a lot of people understand things. A lot of people know a lot of things. People are actually really intelligent. And I know this because oftentimes when people are, why do I feel bad? You know, even the way if you look into therapy and psychiatry, the way they work is they act as mirrors to the person, because people have all the answers, dude. And like a Zen master, all that you need to do to help someone is just kind of repeat what people are saying back to them and they'll understand it. Like they'll have the answer. They know the answer. Sometimes you can be like me and I steal the answer from people and sell it back to them. I'm a pickpocket basically with information and advice. Just give people advice that they are giving themselves basically. Then you get credit, but (laughs) you probably shouldn't do that. Anyways, yeah. A lot of people know things, but no one puts it into the use of their life. They just sit there, they complain, they keep feeling bad. I mean, even with the last podcast, like I said, I know the answer and I said the answer. However, I'm I'm not putting it anywhere. Don't be me. I'm a hypocrite. But yeah, now third topic. We're at 20 minutes, so this one this one might last to like 30. Okay, this is one of my favorite rants, and I already said this in the iPhone segment, but lithium or last uh, or two weeks ago I said this in the iPhone iPhone, uh, iPhone podcast, or the Apple WWDC 2020 iPhone keynote. I don't know if it's not WWDC, just 2020 iPhone keynote. Lithium ion batteries suck. They suck. Lithium ion batteries are horrible. Now, they're in everything. I don't like them. And I wish something else gets put there. But so have it in my laptop here. It's in my phone. It's in my iPad. It's in my watch. It's in your dog you know lithium ion batteries are literally everywhere and why why do they suck you know if if it's so widely used well they're inefficient they deteriorate pretty quickly and they don't do well in high heat high cold they're sensitive and sometimes when these batteries especially when these batteries are charged too quickly these things called dendrites these zinc metal formations form on the anode of the battery the negative side of the battery and they grow through the electrolyte and if they touch the cathode boom boom to say the least uh shout out samsung Anyways, but yeah, so a battery consists of a cathode, an anode, an electrolyte, and a separator. The separator is not too, too important when you look at it, but when uh, the electrolyte is this liquid thing, and for lithium ion batteries, lithium goes from the cathode to the anode or from the anode to the cathode, depending on what's happening. And again, this is one thing maybe we'll talk on more and show a lot more in-depth research, but yeah, these lithium ions suck. They... um, you know while the liquid electrolyte especially that's where the dendrites are forming and batteries are just exploding and then they also deteriorate you know the the anode and the cathode the metal on those it's like a nickel cobalt or something and they they break apart pretty quickly when you're charged especially when you're charging like high amounts so from like 20 to 80 when you're charging from like you know zero to 100 or bigger distances and if you charge from like 70 to 90 over and over. I mean, your battery will last the longest, but who does that? No one, right? We want batteries that charge quicker and stuff. And you know, we're trying to make batteries that charge quicker. So how, how big of a problem does this dendrite thing become? How many more phones start exploding? Right? And yeah, I mean, lithium ions suck in general. They're, just, they're not working. So what's the solution? You know, luckily we got a bunch of engineers and a bunch of technology people and material science engineers going at it. They, they get it, especially John B. Good enough, and we'll talk about them. Solid state batteries, and for me specifically, I think graphene batteries are the best. And so solid state batteries, like I said, there's a liquid electrolyte in which the dendrites will grow, and if they touch, you know, boom, boom. But we can circumvent this if we make the electrolyte solid. So use some battery butter. That's actually what it's being called. And if you use something solid, dendrites can't form on it, right? So it's, you can't form something inside of a solid, right? Like algae can form on the outside of the rock, but like there's not going to be a plant that just grows inside of the rock. They can grow into the rock, but they won't grow from the inside of the rock. Right. So, you know, a solid thing can't grow in a solid thing. So if you make the electrolyte solid, no dendrites can form, which is pretty cool because your batteries won't explode. And more things about, you know, more pros to the solid state batteries. And more specifically, again, graphene batteries, they just work better. graphene is just graphene is a solid state battery with graphene integrated into the anode, and sometimes in the cathode. And just it's graphene is an awesome material. We definitely need to have another podcast just on graphene. Anyways, these solid state batteries, these graphene batteries, they have better temperature resistance, right? They can, I mean, you could put them in spaceships if they were made and they'd work like it's cool. It doesn't matter how cold or hot it is. Well, I mean, I'm sure it matters, but it matters less how cold or hot it is. And so, yeah, their temperature resistance is God tier. As for the deterioration, they'll go through thousands and thousands and thousands of charge cycles, and they'll still work just fine. You know how the battery in your phone, how it gets less and less, like it's able to hold less, that's not a problem for solid state and graphene batteries, they'll just break down less. They're also smaller than lithium ion batteries, they can hold the same amount of charge at a smaller level. So if we keep the same size battery in your phone, but make it a solid state battery, you'll basically just have a few days worth of battery life instead of, you know, a uh, one day or half a day, other than and smaller, what else we got, they also charge quicker than lithium ion batteries, you know, we do want fast charging, and we have these phones that are getting all this fast charging stuff. But graphene batteries, they will go from zero to 100 in like 30 minutes. And again, they hold more charge. And they're better at giving out the charge. And they also just are more efficient and better in basically every way and also finally they're a lot more or a lot more a lot less environmentally impactful than lithium ion batteries to produce so pulling lithium out of the ground is actually like really really bad and so a lot of people are about these electric cars and people are woke you know Electric cars save the environment. But actually the amount of lithium it requires to put a battery into an electric car is you're basically producing the same amount of environmental harm buying an electric car as you are a normal gas engine car. Um, you have to drive a Tesla for quite a few years for it to like be less uh, environmentally impactful than a, than a gas car because those lithium ions are just, they're not, not good. Like they're really bad for the environment, processing them, mining them, all really bad, all pretty horrible. But with solid state batteries, we can use, say, a sodium based electrolyte. And uh, the earth is actually covered with a huge pond of sodium. It's called the ocean, if you haven't heard of it. And yeah, it covers a fair bit of the earth It has quite a lot of sodium in it. It's salt water. Uh, salt is sodium chloride, and we can just take the sodium out of it. But yeah, that's, we can do that with a, a, a graphene or a solid state battery. And it's a lot, lot less environmentally impactful. And when these things start getting big, when these graphene and solid state batteries start getting big, I feel like and I'm I'm calling this, I, I think it'll a be humanity's like next big step in engineering. And the reason is, I mean, So the only thing holding electric cars back right now like i just said is that they environmentally suck and the batteries they just don't go far enough they don't they they charge too slowly you know whatever it is graphene batteries can make it so you can do that million mile battery like elon musk likes to talk about you can charge eight bazillion times quicker and I think if we can make these solid state and graphene batteries affordable and producible, I mean, they're makeable, people can make them, it's just expensive to produce uh, on a on a large scale. And technology takes a while to get adopted. The adoption rates of technology is hard. I mean, even lithium ion batteries have really only gotten big for 15 years, and they were made in the 19 somethings. But yeah, I think when we get these, these other batteries, that electric planes electric i think electric planes will be made i think we can make planes that run off batteries because that's just how much charge these things can hold and the planes will probably be lighter as well because well, motors engines they weigh a lot i think but yeah i think it's going to be pretty incredible when we can get the battery stuff and a little bit about john b good enough so he's He's the guy that made lithium ion batteries, like he developed them into what they are today, like he made them usable. And then he signed away all of the rights, meaning that he didn't make any money off of that. So this man is, you know, part of the reason your life exists today, just because he made the batteries. But not only that, actually, before he did the battery stuff, he was on the team that invented RAM, random access memory. RAM is the reason any of your devices work RAM is the reason I'm able to record this and RAM is the reason you're able to listen to listen to this. This guy is a god amongst men batteries RAM this man is the reason that your entire life today exists. This man's incredible dude. And uh, just to list some of his accolades, he's received the Japan Prize in 2001, the Enrico Fermi Award in 2009, the IEEE Medal for Environmental and Safety Technologies in 2012, Charles Stark Draper Prize in 2014, Welch Award in 2017, Copley Medal in 2019, and the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 2019. However, this wasn't good enough for john be good enough. And yes, that's his actual name. So now at like 92 years old, he's researching solid state batteries in the University of Texas. And he understands the environmental impact of lithium ion batteries, and he's not a fan of that. So now he's researching these uh, solid state batteries, and he he uses sodium electrolytes in his research with uh, his colleague. But yeah, he also probably doesn't want people's phones exploding on them. So that's probably another reason he researches that. But yeah, this man, absolutely incredible, dude, absolute beast. But yeah, I think uh, that's going to be all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully you can geek about batteries as much as I can. And hopefully I'll be able to do some research if I stick through college on batteries. So that'll be interesting and fun if I can make that happen. But yeah, once more, thank you for listening. I will see you Next week, peace.